was over the carousel today, I must have stepped in something because now my foot keeps sticking. It's probably one of those birds that was on the floor. Yeah, it's not good. I'm running well, all right. I stepped right in it. All right. Let's turn to John chapter 13. Today, we're very happy to have with us uh, <clears throat> Brother Cavanaugh, Brother Steve Cavanaugh and his wife Liz. And they're, uh, they're with us now permanently. We're excited about that. Matter of fact, Brother Steve, Brother Steve was over at the building with me today. We was over there for almost three hours just uh, dealing with the architect, working through some uh, details. And uh, he had a number of good suggestions. Of course, mine were better. But uh, actually, he's the only one that got an attaboy by the uh, architect. I was like, come on, man, what about me? I've been over here doing... And he's like, uh, that's a good idea, Steve. And I was like, well, what about my ideas? I've got a bunch of them. He didn't seem to be interested in mine. But anyway, uh, we, we do. we got a lot accomplished today. We're excited about the progress of that. We're really, really... Uh, man, it's going to be a lovely place. It's going to turn out great. And again, we've got a lot of uh, just exciting things on tap, and uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, So anyway, John chapter 13, verse 21, John chapter 13, verse 21. Again, I heard that we had some souls saved this past weekend from our team soul winning. I'm excited about that. And uh, I was looking at my route, and some of you were here for the meeting on Saturday, and I did get the worst route. Remember, Remember the video? Some of you remember the video that he showed? I got the worst route. Trust me. But anyway, you know how it is. Everybody's got the worst route. Remember that? Some of you just, oh, whatever. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's a tough crowd tonight. Okay. John chapter 13, verse 21. Listen, you've got to help me pray because I'm supposed to be watching the NCAA tournament this weekend. You've got to help me. Come on now. A man of God's got priorities. <laughs> yes, sir. Thirteen twenty-one. Let's go ahead and look at it. All right, <laughs> you guys ain't no good. You have no sympathy, no care about your pastor at all. <clears throat> John thirteen twenty-one. The Bible says, "When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified, and said." Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. One of you shall betray me. Again, the passage takes place before Christ's death. And, of course, you and I, uh, probably tonight, we realize that he's discussing or talking about Judas. Of course, Judas was one of the disciples. But, as you and I both know, he wasn't the best disciple. Matter of fact, he wasn't even just one of the lowest on the totem pole. He really probably shouldn't have been a disciple from our perspective. You know, he, he cared for the bag or the money, so to speak. And he was always trying to get over on the Lord and others. He tried to make it look as though he was doing something so wonderful. But in reality, he wasn't doing a whole lot at all, was he? Just trying to get over himself. Trying to make a buck himself. But Judas, <clears throat> Judas was not a very 
good character in the Bible. And obviously we'll see him again in the tribulation period. But nonetheless, we note that Jesus makes this, I guess, this prediction. It, it really, it really, the, the disciples were kind of shocked. They, what do you mean? One of us? One of us? One of us twelve? I mean, you, you mean the ones that traveled with you? The ones that, that literally left home and family and, and in a sense and kind of went on the road with you? Oh, I know our family. We haven't seen them like we'd like to. We've sacrificed. We've given just to be a part of your inner circle, to be a part of that chosen twelve. And I mean, we are the ones that saw you do all those miracles and you even empowered us to go out and win souls and to, to change lives and to heal people and do all this work. You're telling me and telling all of us that one of us is going to betray you? That is impossible. There's no way. That seems inconceivable to me. But that's exactly what Jesus said and it's exactly what Jesus meant. <clears throat> Have you ever met someone or been guilty yourself? Of saying, I'd never do that. I'd never do that. Well, I just wonder tonight, what about a man by the name of Demas? In Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible tells us, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Demas was one of Paul's trusted companions. He was one of his fellow laborers. He was a co-worker, if you will, in the ministry. And Philemon, he goes on to say, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Can you imagine that? I mean, Demas wasn't just one of the disciples, so to speak, of Paul. He was literally traveling with him. He was one of the top dogs. He was one of the big guys. He was one of the big guns, so to speak. I'm sure that at certain conferences, when Paul got up and spoke, before he did, Demas spoke. He was kind of like the guy who set the stage, and Demas, and then Paul would come along and close it down. I mean, Demas was really somebody in the life of Paul and in the work of the ministry. But that relationship alone wasn't enough to keep him on track, was it? Just knowing the Apostle Paul traveling with him, being involved in the work, just staying busy wasn't enough. For in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read, and why don't you turn there? Because I think we all need to recognize the potential that all of us possess. We think of potential, and we often think of it in a very positive light. And I'm glad that we do, and we ought to from in many standards and cases. However, the truth is we have the potential not only for good, but the potential for evil. Notice what it says here. In 2 Timothy 4.10, the Bible says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Uh, Dalmatia. <clears throat> Again, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. In Second John, or excuse me, First John two sixteen, uh, fifteen and sixteen, the Bible tells us to love not the love not the what. That's right. And yet, Demas had forsaken him, having loved this present world. Now, wait a second. Demas wasn't just your run-of-the-mill Christian. He wasn't just 
I, I mean, he, he wasn't just a mediocre Christian. He wasn't just a Sunday morning only Christian. I mean, Demas was really a Christian. You know what I mean? He was living it. I mean, every morning, I'm sure he woke up, opened his Bible, read the Word of God, bowed on his knees and prayed and begged God for mercy and grace and strength to face the day. But something happened. Something changed. Before we know it, he's forsaking Paul. But long before he forsook Paul, he had forsaken Christ. Demas, how is it that you were so faithful? I mean, how is it that you used to preach and teach to us about being steadfast and unmovable? Were you lying to us? Was it all a fake? I can only imagine that Demas would say, no. No, at the time I really meant it. How did you end up where you did, Demas? Huh? I just got a little careless. Things were just going a million miles an hour in my life. I got so busy and... It just seemed like I had one conference and then another conference and I had this job to do and that job to do and I had so much work to take care of and I got kind of kind of wore out in the work of God. I may have even become a little bit weary. And I found that things just seemed so complicated to me. It was no longer simple. It was no longer easy to serve God. All of a sudden it was a chore. It was a challenge. It was a real duty. When we consider Demas, we may be tempted to view him with disdain or even contempt. That low-down, dirty, rotten Demas. How could he forsake Paul? I mean, they were companions. They were comrades. How was that possible? And then to leave God. That's about the order, we think, too. We may be tempted to do that. We may be even tempted to, once again lift ourselves up, exalt ourselves and say, I'd never go astray. I'd never do that. I'm always amazed. And please don't misunderstand me. And if the shoe fits, I guess wear it. But if it doesn't, please accept it the way I mean it. I'm always amazed when someone in Community Baptist Temple makes some horrible decision, does something totally and completely contrary to Scripture. Even walks out the door and leaves God's house and doesn't come back. I'm often amazed how many people act as though they did something that they could never do. I'm just amazed. I, I listen, well, I don't understand. Are you kidding me? That could be me next month. That could be you. And you ought to just thank God that you haven't fallen into Satan's trap of deception. You ought to not slip up yourself and somehow feel that that would never happen to you. Instead, you ought to say, it's only by God's grace. It's not me. 
I got a feeling that maybe Demas at some point thought, that would never happen to me. But then again, may I respond from Scripture? In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Sadly, scores of good and godly men and women have They've awakened one day only to find themselves on the other side of the fence. They once stood strong. They once were steadfast. But now they're just simply empty, void of joy and peace, and they have no purpose anymore. They were busy in the work of the Lord, but now they're lucky to even make it to a service. See, the Apostle Paul was very aware of the worldly undertoes that ever tugged at his resolve and steadfastness. I mean, they sought to drag him out into the deep of sin and cause him to become a castaway. In the book of 1 Corinthians 9.27, he remarks concerning that issue and he says, But I keep under my body... And bring it into subjection, lest it by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm sure Demas, at the judgment seat of Christ, will wish that he had heeded those words. Oh, for the time being, he may not even be concerned. He may say, oh, that's a bunch of baloney. That's malarkey. I don't care about the church. It doesn't matter to me about Christ. I don't know why I ever got sucked in to all of that mess. It's just a big political machine. I don't know why or how or what he would have even said. And maybe he never did repent. For all I know, he went into eternity and he'll have lost all the rewards that he had gained early on. But I'll promise you if that's the case, that the words but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway will ring in his ears and all he'll think to himself is cast away cast away I became a castaway You may have looked upon Demas a month, two months, maybe even ten or a year or five years later and said, oh, he seems to be doing all right. He's got a good job, it seems. He's got his family still. He's doing perfectly fine. But you just can't read the small print in his character or on his spiritual life. Cast away. I don't want to be a castaway. I don't think you want to be a castaway. You wouldn't be here tonight if you wanted to be a castaway. I don't think anybody at Community Baptist Temple wants to be a castaway. I don't believe that at all. But may I say tonight, I have tremendous potential tonight. And so do you. To become a castaway.
What about you tonight? Think about your life. How often do you find yourself being drawn away from your walk with the Lord? Well, I know I war with it continually. Boy, this busyness that we live in, this, this world of connectivity. I mean, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It just seems that there's just interruption after interruption. It's so easy to come to a place where we neglect our walk with the Lord. I mean, how many times a day does the tempter place thoughts that go contrary to godliness in your mind? Well, I'll tell you what. It's easy, isn't it? To be thinking things we shouldn't think. Realizing that forsaking or betraying the Lord, becoming a castaway is within our grasp. What can we do about it? Well, I believe that, once again, we complicate the Christian life. I think we make it so tough sometimes. We think there's some kind of secret to it, you know, this ten-step program or something like that. But I want to share with you something tonight that I think, just three thoughts, really. Because I believe that in order to remain faithful and not to become a castaway, we have to keep it simple. And so with these three statements, we'll see what we can learn either tonight or over the next couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then I'll share the first one with you tonight. Father, we come to you. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, uh, I do thank you for your people. And I thank you, Father, for just all that, Father, has been accomplished here at our church and all the work that's been done. Lord, uh, I I really in no way, Father wish to do anything other than exhort the people of God. Father, uh, we need you more than ever here. And Lord, following a plan or a program is not going to bring you down. Only Father begging you, pleading with you, longing for you. Oh, Father, help us, Lord, to truly enter into your presence and allow your Holy Spirit to consume us take control of us, to fill us. Only then, Father, can we truly operate and function with the power that You intended and the success that You desire. Help us now, Lord, to be a praying people, to be a faithful people, to be a steadfast people. Help us just to keep it simple and not allow Satan to complicate complicated and confuse us. Lord, we'll thank you as you meet our need and as you use us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, we're going to keep it simple. My first statement is this. We must look and listen to Him. We must look and listen to Him. You think about looking to Him. I think about the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 when it says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Wow. Now listen, I, 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 I was a teenager once, so I understand how this works. 
there was a time, as has been mentioned, I heard some others speak about it, but, you know, you hear about the rapture. You know, Jesus is coming back. He's going to split the eastern sky, and he's going to take us up. And, man, I'll tell you what, there's a part of me when I was a teenager, I thought, please, Lord, don't you come now. I want to get my license. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to live my life. I put in this much time in this house obeying the rules. I need some payoff, man. I understand those things, but what's wrong with us as adults? We get a little older, and we've had those opportunities, and we've experienced some of those wonderful blessings that God has for us, and yet we still long for the things of the world. You would think there would come a point in our Christian development that all of a sudden we would look to Him, that our affections would be set on Him, that He is all that we need and all that we long for. You've got to be careful of that word long because it's in the second one. We must look and listen to Him. I think about Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What are you trusting in? Then you start looking to Him. All of a sudden, you're, to, you're looking to Him to meet your needs and to provide for you and to, to, to come alongside of you. Some trust in chariots for sure. Some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I mean, when trouble comes your way and when difficulties seem to, seem to fill your life, I mean, who is it that you look to? I mean, do you... Look to the boss to give you more hours? You look to the wife to take up the slack? You look to the government to provide some extra income? You look to your president to fix all the economic problems? And I'm just wondering who we really look into. I'm glad I don't have to look to anybody but Him. Man, I'll tell you what, I'd be a basket case if I had to look to people. But I can look to God, and so can you. We have the Lord. Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes even. Isn't that a great verse as we come up upon our presidential, um, as we get ready to vote for our president again? Isn't that a great one? That means that you don't ever have to vote about anything. You don't, you don't ever have to think about, is this man going to save my nation, save my, my, uh, uh, my job? Is this man going to save anything? No, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Your confidence isn't in a man. It ought to be in the master. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't care if the president raised gas to $10 a gallon if he would just go ahead and stand on some morals. God can provide us money. I just don't want my kids growing up in this sin-sick world we're living in. 
I, I don't know about you, but I'm not so worried about the economy. I'm a little bit worried about morality. I got a real problem with the direction that our country's going and, and the, the direction that, that our, our, our nation's traveling. I really do. I just struggle with it. I, I don't like what I'm seeing. I, I total role reversals. There's nothing biblical about the direction we're going. We're teaching our young ladies that they should be called sir now. What in the world's that about? Since when is a woman a sir? What is that about? Well, I'm in a position of authority. You'll call me sir. So you're not proud of being a woman then? I thought you told me that women are equal with men, but I've got to call you a man's title because otherwise you don't feel you have authority. I mean, I don't understand this. The women's movement tells us that they're equal, but then they get a job and they say, call me a sir. What's wrong with that, ladies? And last I checked, I think I would be just be proud to be what God made me. Well, that's not real popular, nor is it politically correct. But I'm going to tell you, we got such a mixed up society and culture today. And I'll tell you why. It, it's not because our government's all messed up. It's not because our world's all messed up in a sense. It's simply because we're no longer looking to Him. And as a result, everything's a mess. Isaiah 45:22 says, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. For our salvation today, America's salvation too, not just my individual salvation, is look unto me, he says. We've got to look to him. That is foreign. As I joked around a little bit about this prayer thing in the NCAA tournament. Listen, I, I, I do. I love If I could, I would take off the next four days and the next four days next week. I'd make sure I was watching every one of those games. I love them. Now, of course, the way they set it up now, unless you've got cable or something like that, you can't watch them all. But I used to like watching that. Last year it was a joke but because, you know, you don't get all the games unless you've got cable. But anyway, I would love to watch it the whole time. I love that stuff. I love the excitement. I'm going to tell you something. Honestly, I won't miss a lick. I, I, would not, I would not neglect my work of the Lord for some ball game. Now, if I can do it without neglecting my work, I'll do it. But I will never do that. Well, I'm sorry, uh, so-and-so just got in a very serious car accident. Well, I'm watching the game. I'll get a hold of them. Let's see, they take a break at 7, well, about 6, 5.30 so. Don't come back on until 7, 7.30. I'll, I'll, I got about an hour between time there. I'll be with you. I wouldn't do that. But in a sense, don't we do that in other areas of our life? I mean, don't we have a responsibility to the God that saved the soul? And yet, as so many times, we say, well, I'm sorry, I'm busy, Lord. I'd listen to you, but, well, I didn't get up early enough. I can't stay up any longer. I don't have any time. My family needs me more. My boss wants me at work. You know what I'm talking about. Look to me, to him, he says. And, and last, listen to him. Tonight, listen to him. 
See, we complicate things. The Christian life's not complicated. We make it complicated. We say things like, well, you don't understand. I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. You know what I found? If I will look to him and listen to him, things start to fall in place. It's funny how that works. Things fall in place. See, God would have protected, He would have promoted, and He would have provided for the children of Israel. You know how they were. They were miraculously delivered out of Egypt. They went out there and they they made their way to the Red Sea, and there the Red Sea parted, and they walked across on dry ground. Wow. They saw the miraculous hand of God. They experienced His Supernatural provision. It seemed like the sky was the limit. Everything was going their way. Take your Bible, look over at Psalm chapter 81 though. See, I covered all the bases. A couple of... uh, Well, probably almost eight months ago. I told the trustees, I said, you know, I'm confident that God wants us in that building over there. I have no doubt about it. I I knew that for two years now. Even when it looked like it was a done deal, I still believed it could happen. I remember taking my sons over to the property when it was all said and done. I said, we're going to pray about this again because I just can't believe the door shut. Who knows? God may open it again. We prayed that day. I remember. Didn't pray long. We just prayed there at the carousel. It wasn't a month later or less, I think, that they contacted us and said they were willing to sell there. See, just God, I knew some things. But hold on. I covered, the, I covered my, my tracks a little bit because I know how people get. You know how people are, you know, well, you know, God must not be in it. Look what's happening here. and Look what's happening there. You know how it is. Well, you probably don't because you're never thinking like that. <clears throat> I said to the trustees, I said, I'm confident God wants us over there. I don't care if we walk in that building with 100 people. We're going to fill it up. You say, what do you mean you covered your bases? If half this church walked out today, I'm still on good ground. I know i got at least another 150 to go. I'm covered. I'm good. 100? That's all I, I, I just, I'm a, and you say that's nuts. You could never afford it. I don't have to afford it. you got to understand something. This isn't about me. And you know what? It shouldn't be about you. It's about him. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If something went down to Community Baptist Temple right now, I'd be looking for some fired-up young man that had a little bit of zeal in his heart, and I'd say, I'll do all I can to help keep the doors open, and you go ahead and start a new church in there. Because I believe God's going to fill that thing up over there. I believe Akron's dying for a place to meet God. I know they're going to hell. I'm just confident of those things. Children of Israel had every opportunity, just like we do, to succeed. I mean, they had been put on the fast track to success. But I want you to see how it ended. 
Psalm 81, verse 10. He said, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Hold on now. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts, lust. And they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto Him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. And you see the Lord, He's saying, Man, I tell you, He's saying, I I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide. I've done miracles and I've supernaturally intervened on your behalf. You just need to open your mouth wide. You need to not only ask me for things, but you need to expect things from me. He says, but my people would not hearken unto my voice. They wouldn't listen. Sometimes it's not just what we do that grieves God. Sometimes it's what we don't do. You know, if you're not listening to Him, you can't be looking to Him. If you're not... Listening, you're not really looking. I guess what I'm saying is, if you're not obeying the Lord, then you're really not right with Him. I mean, can I be that plain? Is that what the Bible teaches? If ye love me, Rebel. If you love me, neglect my word. If you love me, forsake my church. If you love me, be angry and critical and cynical and evil towards your brothers. No, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And by the way, again, if we're not obeying, then we're not looking. Tonight, I, I don't want to become a Demas. I have so much potential to fall off the wagon. I have so much potential to take a leap right into the muck and the mire of this world. It's, it's, it's just like, it just oozes out of me, this flesh. I believe that the more conscious I am of my potential for falling, the less likely I am to fall. I've seen proof of that through the years. See, some of you teenagers have never known horrible sin that causes 
tragic consequences in your life. You know what you're tempted to do? To say, I'd never do that. One of your friends goes out and gets pregnant, and you say, I don't understand what's wrong with him. You know, why don't you be good and holy like I am? You know what I'm saying? If you're not careful, you start to think somehow you're better than others. And you know why you think that? Because you've never been on that other side. But I'm going to tell you something. All you have to do is look at yourself in the mirror. Look at your attitude sometimes. Evaluate your heart. And you'll realize you may not have slept with a boy and got pregnant, but what you did do is you forsook your Lord with your attitude. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I would rather be close to God. Even when David sinned, he still had a heart for God. You better make sure you don't lose that heart for God, ladies. And young men, you better not lose your heart for God either. And just because someone else goes out and does something, you better quit pointing fingers because if you don't think you could be where they're at, the next one there is probably you. And that's the same with us. This haughty, this prideful attitude, this arrogant spirit that we possess is only going to destroy us. And if it destroys Mark O'Donnell, it's going to take down some young men and young ladies in my home. And it's going to hurt my wife and my family. It's ultimately going to affect this church. And let me tell you, yours is the same way. You better be careful what you look at, what you long for, what you live for. God is so good to us. Man, He saved our soul and He's given us the Spirit to indwell us. He gives us these, this, this source of power and understanding and wisdom called the Holy Ghost. And as we begin to stray off the course of godliness and good, something or someone really, it's not a something, your conscience will lead you astray every time if it's not filtered with God's Word. I'm like Jiminy Cricket. I follow my conscience. It's my guide. Yeah, well, if you was a cricket, it would work. But you're not. Man, our conscience is sinful too. There's nothing good about us. But God's so good that He cleansed us and He washed us and He renewed us. And we ought to live our lives to please the Master. We ought to never want to do anything to bring reproach on His name or to break His heart. May we never grieve the Holy Ghost. But may we always embrace the Lord Jesus Christ just simply looking to Him and listening to Him. And boy, that'll just make everything simple. And all of a sudden, we'll look back on our life one day and say, thank God I never became a castaway. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for the simplicity of the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to be faithful.